this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 296, and we are recording on August 31st. I'm Jen Northington. I'm here with Amanda Nelson. We're coming to you from Book Riot and my denial that tomorrow is September. I'm so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Clap along if you feel. No. Um, Yeah, it's exciting. I'm over. I'm done with summer. Summer's my favorite season, but I'm like extremely over it. It's lasted a million years. It was like a whole nother year of COVID in three months. Like, I'm ready for this to be over. <laughs> yeah. Fall is my favorite season, no doubt. I just can't believe that it's already September. That's yeah. All. all those memes that are like, I'm still processing 2020. Like, I haven't made it past yeah. March of 2020, and we're about right. to go into 2022. And I feel that. That's relatable. Yeah. Yeah, that's real. That's real. All right. Well, welcome, Mm -hmm. everyone. Uh, In addition to complaining about how time works, this is also a reading recommendation show. You can send in your reading recommendation requests. It can be maybe there's a kind of book that you love and you're having trouble finding more. Maybe you need a recommendation for a friend or relative or a book club or whatever. You can send those in two ways. You can either email getbooked at bookriot.com. Or you can drop it on into the form that's linked uh, in the show notes on our website. And if you have a time-sensitive request, you're hoping to hear back by a specific date, please put time-sensitive, all caps, either in the subject line of the email or the very first line of the form, and we will do our best. Uh, If we don't think we're going to get back to you on air, we might shoot you an email response. So keep an eye out for those. We are rapidly closing in on episode 300, (laughs) and we have lots of AMA slash ask us anything questions uh, for that show to the point where we're going to have to do a couple of them, which is great, but you can still send them in. So if you have a question that is not about book recommendations that you would like to ask us, you can also email those or put them in the form. Just please put episode 300 or AMA or something like that uh, so that we know that that's what it's for. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's do some feedback recommendations. Kelly says, for the person who is looking for Jewish main characters in romance, this is a sideways wreck. The Queen's Fool by Philippa Gregory is a historical fiction novel featuring a Jewish main character in the 1550s during the reign of Queen Mary. The perspective of a Jewish community in this time period was new to me, and frankly, the MC's love life is almost as dramatic as the historical events around her. Awesome. Valerie also has a recommendation for the person looking for romances with Jewish characters. Try an unorthodox match by Naomi Reagan. Pro tip, everything by Reagan is fantastic. And then Deanna has a recommendation for Jessica, who was looking for night circus comps. While not a circus per se, the Shades of Magic series by V.E. Schwab gave me a lot of the same vibes. Thank you all for your feedback. All right, so Amanda is going to read our first question, and then we'll do a sponsor, and then we will get with the recommending. 
All right, question one is from Joy, who says, I need reading recs for an upcoming road trip my family and I are taking at the end of September. We're traveling from Cleveland to New Hampshire and would like some recommendations with fall vibes. I'm open to any genre except horror. I don't mind light spookiness, but nothing terrifying. I want a New England in the fall setting. Can you help? Light spookiness, but not terrifying was my nickname in high school. Just kidding. Okay, so (laughs) we're going to hear from our first sponsor and then away we will go. Today's episode is brought to you by Disney Books. Do y'all like Caribbean mythology? What's more, a thriller inspired by Caribbean mythology? If you do, I got something for you. A must-read thriller that draws from the darkest corners of Caribbean mythology from acclaimed author Sarah Das, who crafts a chilling tale of magic, murder, and how far we'll go to protect what's ours. It's perfect for fans of Angeline Bully and Tiffany D. Jackson. So, unlike other people on the small island of St. Virgil, Selena Da Silva does not believe in magic. She has a logical mind. She likes botany. She wants to study pharmacology. But then her mother gets sick and she's tethered to the island and she has to make money. So what does she do? She cons a couple gullible tourists with these useless talismans and phony protection rituals. But then one of the tourists ends up dead and at the center of a strange string of murders. And the truth Selena has been denying can no longer be avoided. There is evil lurking in the forest that surround St. Virgil. Now to find out what that evil is, make sure to pick up It Waits in the Forest by Sarah Das. And thanks again to Disney Books for sponsoring this episode. This episode is sponsored by Underlined, publishers of The Night in Question by Kathleen Glasgow and Liz Lawson. If you know me, you know I'm a huge Agatha Christie fan. I've been reading her since I was an actual child and reread her at least a few times every year. So I'm so excited that this sequel is out because it's reminding me about the original that I've been meaning to read for quite some time. And now I can read both back to back. So how do you solve a murder? You follow the lessons of the master, of course, Agatha Christie. Iris and Alice find themselves in the middle of another Castle Cove mystery in this sequel to the New York Times bestseller, The Agathas. This time, to understand the lies of the present, the Agathas will need to look to the mysteries of the past. The Night in Question is available now wherever books and audiobooks are sold. That audiobook I have my eye on, and it's narrated by Mayor Dudeja, Sophie Amos, and Holly Linneman. Thank you once again to Underlined and The Night in Question by Kathleen Glasgow and Liz Lawson for sponsoring today's show. Okay, so I picked the only book that applies to this question, which is Sleepy Hollow. Like, obviously, what you want is Sleepy Hollow. It's The Legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving. Technically, this is a collection of short stories. You could leave the rest of them because Sleepy Hollow is the thing that you want. It's lightly spooky. It's super not terrifying. It helps that it takes place 300 years ago <laughs> and that the bad guy is like a dude with a flaming pumpkin head. It's like, you're going to be fine. It's appropriate for all ages. Um, if you somehow have missed the plot of Sleepy Hollow. Uh, It's about a school teacher named Ichabod who uh, is in, it's like upstate New York um, in Sleepy Hollow, which is the little village. He gets hired as a teacher and he falls in love with like a local beauty um, and gets into this rivalry with this kind of, you know, jock, I guess. He's very Gaston energy (laughs) in Sleepy (laughs) Hollow, uh, who also is vying for this beauty, uh, beauty's hand, you know. Um, And in the course of exploring this kind of love triangle, romantic, dramatic situation, Ichabod encounters the legend of Sleepy Hollow, which is the headless horseman who like haunts the woods and bridges and causeways of this village. And he 
is reportedly the ghost of a Hessian soldier who died during the revolution. And this is a detail about the story that I really love, this like deep cut into revolutionary war history, Mm. um, where the Hessians were German soldiers who came over to to fight uh, in the war. And so there's a little bit of history of the kind of region you're going to. I mean, I know you're not going to New York, but New England, along with a little bit of light spookiness, some romantic drama, um, and big New England vibes. So that is The Legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving. Yeah, you said your family. I don't know if that means children mm-hmm. or not. And you said any genre. So I'm assuming that like a grown-up book is an okay choice. So my pick for y'all is The Physic Book of Deliverance Dane by Katherine Howe. This is technically summer in New England, but mm. still... It is about a Harvard graduate student named Connie who is supposed to be spending the summer doing doctoral dissertation research. But her grandmother has like died and the home is abandoned and they need to sell it. And her mom is like, hey, will you go deal with the house? It's right outside of Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, Connie's like, "Okay," because she's like, you know, researching all kinds of different things that are related to the history of that area. So she says yes. Also, she's trying to procrastinate on her dissertation. Um, And she finds this like 17th century Bible with an old key in the house that has a little piece of parchment with a name, Deliverance Dane, and Connie like ends up going on this whole sort of research quest into the lives of her ancestors who were maybe witches, but were they actually witches? And also, like, what's going on with her dissertation advisor? Because he's kind of a creep. Like, it has creepy moments, but it is definitely not horror. And it is very much, you know, one of those, like, modern slash historical timelines coming together stories. And it's, again, as Amanda said, big New England vibes. So uh, that is the Physic Book of Deliverance Dane. All right. Our next question is from Anonymous. Who says... One dynamic in romance that I find really fascinating to read about is class differences, specifically when set in the past, preferably regions or before. I love me some corsets. <laughs> I like the star-crossed lover dynamic, and if handled correctly and not in a gross way, the power differential is a really interesting topic to tackle. Also, while I do want the book to be romance-focused and dealing with this sort of dynamic between a couple, it doesn't necessarily have to fall in the romance genre if you think there is a really good book that fits this request. Amanda, class differences in romance. Mm -hmm. In oldie times. In lay oldie timeies. I don't know. (laughs) Um, So I picked The The Requests by Scarlett Peckham, which is the first book in the Society of Sirens series. And this is about a very scandalous lady named Serafina, who is a lady in that kind of aristocratic way, um, meaning she has money and land. (laughs) She is gentry. um, And she is known for being like, completely ruined she takes casual lovers gasp how dare she and all of her friends are kind of of that sort of scandalous set and she has decided that to fund her for her and her friends ambitions which include opening a home for women who have been like ruined and have nowhere to go she's going to sell her memoirs in which she is going to expose the uh, very fancy gentleman who caused her ruin in the first place because you know men don't face consequences until Last year, essentially. Um, And so our hero's name is Adam. And he is not a gentleman. He is a working man. 
I mean, just the, uh, the absolute cheek of having a job. He's an architect. <laughs> He's a widow, uh, a widower uh, from Scotland with two little kids. And he moves into her neighborhood because he's been hired by Serafina's neighbor to repair some, to do like architectural repairs on some fancy, or what are they called? Some fancy like follies on his land. Um, and they have to be redesigned and all this kind of stuff. So he brings his kids. He brings his sister who helps him care for the kids. And then he meets Serafina. And Serafina is, of course, like, ooh, a Scot. Let's, hey, hey. You know, and he's like, mm, better not. You have a reputation. And I literally cannot afford to be associated with you. Like, in dollars, cannot afford to be associated with you because I will get fired. Um, and also him and his business partner are kind of gunning for a big government contract for their architectural firm. But the the head of the committee in parliament is a very, very well-known social conservative. And if Adam is ever found to be associating with this like liberal, libertine, raycast sort of lady, he's really risking his career and his future. So that's the like the setup. And the class stuff here... Super interesting because Serafina doesn't really care. Like she never mentions it. It's like she doesn't even notice, right? That these are two, these are people from two different class structures because she's not trying to marry the dude. She's just trying to bone him. Like does not care, right? <laughs> for the first whatever, whatever amount of pages. Adam is super aware from the jump. Like he's attracted to her and would has like no moral qualms necessarily with what she's proposing, which is like a no strings attached affair while he's in town. But he, he does have like kids he has to feed. And like this is his job and he cannot risk losing it for a roll in the hay or several <laughs> rolls in the hay, which is what she's actually asking him to do. So then, of course, since it's romance, feelings get involved. I just think this is a really interesting take on this because usually the class differences that I read in Regency romances are like a governess and a duke sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. Like she's the poor one who has to gasp, have a job. But this is, you know, that's kind of the whole conceit of this book is that the gender situations are flipped like she, he's not the rake she is he's not the wealthy one she is and so that's the the angle and it's really great so that's the request by scarlet peckham hard cosine hmm. love that <laughs> very enjoyable i picked for you a historical set in china it's the lotus palace by Jeannie lin because this a hundred percent has really intense class differences that like the author and the characters are very straight up about. It's also a murder mystery, which is kind of amazing. It's really, it's a first in a series. Highly recommend. This is actually the first, oh my gosh, Amanda, mm. I'm recommending the first in a series. What? <laughs> I just did too. Happens. I just that did never too. happens. I get booked. We need to retire. <laughs> yeah, right. That's This is it. It's all over. Um. So the main character, Yue Ying, is a maidservant to a very esteemed courtesan and she is like very street smart you can tell from the jump that she's had a rough background um, and she's very much just like here to be in the shadows doing her job being a servant like not worrying about you know anything else just like keeping her head down doing the thing and then she gets cornered by this like drunk playboy Bai Huang who is like rich he is as I said, drunk, he's a playboy, <laughs> like he has a reputation. And they have this like very uncomfortable interaction, no good, uh, and which he then feels extremely bad about, which is a lovely, refreshing change of pace. Mm. And in the meantime, there is this murder and the two of them, for their own reasons, end up trying to like find out what has happened. And again, romance novel, feelings happen, but they like it is always... Yue Ying is very aware of the complications here and makes sure that Bai Huang like has to 
understand them, which takes a while. And I love the way that the book unpacks those things and like deals with that power differential. Like you say, when done well, it can be really interesting. And the setting is like, you know, I just it's historical, obviously, um, but it's not like Regency England. It's China, which, you know, I am all for getting out of just our European corner in romance here. And I think you will super enjoy it. They don't have corsets, though, for the record. (laughs) That was that was not a thing. Uh, But they have other fancy dresses. So you'll you'll get I think you'll get your fashion dose as well. And again, that is The Lotus Palace by Jeannie Lin. Oh, I forgot to give the content warning. Content warning for harm to children. Just FYI. Okay, our next question is from her, (laughs) which I love. And it says, I loved the book House of Hollow. I've never read anything like it before. And it was the book that broke my pandemic reader's block. It was so mind blowing. I had a huge book hangover and had to sit with it for two weeks before I could read anything else. Can you recommend something similar if such a thing exists? So I had never heard of this book and I had to go digging for what it was about and like what were the vibes of House of Hollow. Um, And it's about a pair of teenagers who something weird happens to when they are children and the main character has no memory of. And when her sister goes missing, weird things start happening, like weird supernatural things start happening to her and her memory starts to come back. So I picked What Big Teeth by Rose Jabo, which is about a teenage girl who something weird happened to when she was a child. She has no memory of it. And when her memory starts to come back, strange things are strange supernatural things are happening around her. So it's like pretty similar. That's like the general arc, the general themes are similar. The details are, are a bit are a bit different. So Eleanor, she doesn't have a sister, first of all, is the main character. She's been at boarding school for years. Like she was sent from away from her family when she was eight. She's now 17, 18, like older teenager. And then she does something bad at boarding school that you don't get details about for quite a while. And she flees that situation really quickly and like in the middle of the night and goes home unannounced. Her family um, is happy to see her except her grandmother, who was the one who told her leave and don't come back. And so when Eleanor comes back, she doesn't remember much about her childhood. She doesn't remember what she did that had her sent away. And her family, she discovers when she comes home, is monsters. Like they are literal monsters. Like her grandfather and her cousins are all werewolves. Her grandmother is a witch who reads fortunes in the guts of birds. Her mom is like some sort of Lovecraftian half octopus thing who gets toted around in a bucket of water. Um, And so these are, this is her family. She doesn't act surprised, like you're in her head the whole time. She doesn't act surprised to see them, but she doesn't remember any of the details and she's totally freaked out. Like there's a lot of, are they going to eat me? Am I safe here? And it's like an open question. They might, they might eat her. She's been gone for a long time. But at the at the jump, like from the moment she comes back, I think that evening, so this is not a spoiler, her grandmother dies and on her deathbed tells Eleanor, you are now responsible for keeping this family safe from the surrounding villagers. It's a very Adams family. Like they live in this big old gothic house. They're surrounded by villagers who they've made a tenuous peace with, but who aren't like happy that they're in the neighborhood by any means. And so Eleanor has to you know, take up the family business and is like, it becomes the new matriarch, essentially, and then eventually has to face a really, really terrible danger that comes from France, where all danger comes from, (laughs) in the form of her other grandmother, her maternal grandmother, who turns out to be quite, quite evil. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on, but it's got that, um, that same sort of plot device that it's not a trick, but that like narrative device of you're discovering the details as the character is rediscovering the details that they have since forgotten or buried because of trauma or whatever. And all of that kind of creepy supernatural stuff. So that's What Big Teeth by Rose Jabo. 
Yeah, I also have not read this book or heard of it, actually. So thanks for putting it on the radar. And what I took away from it, and I could be totally wrong, so apologies in advance, but I was like, okay, thing from the past plus supernatural hijinks. And so the book I am recommending to you is The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones, which comes with a content warning for animal death, by the way. Because this is about four young Native men who, like, when they were young, they were out on tribal land hunting elk and, like, something happened. (laughs) And now years later, that something is coming back to haunt them. And super hygiene, supernatural hijinks abound. Like, these are the elements. Stephen Graham Jones, we've talked about his works before. He is so good at, like, creepy, unsettling, like, is this real? Is this not real? So if you want to be in that, like, questioning, like, what is happening? How, like, reliable are these narrators? Like, that is definitely the vibe you're going to get here. And then, like I said, like, thing from the past comes back to haunt the present. Uh, And so, yeah, so I think that hopefully this is in the same, like, wheelhouse. Otherwise, and also... Stephen Graham Jones is just like an amazing author. So I always am happy to recommend him. Um, So again, that's The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. His new book is is one of the sponsors for this episode. Is it? Yeah, we we record the ads like the week before we do the actual show. And we don't know like if there's overlap because of the way that the tasks are handed out. So sometimes that happens and it's just kind of funny. That is kind of funny. Well, at least it's not the same book. Yeah, one is not influencing the other. I just wanted to, you know, hang a lantern on that. (laughs) Thank you for clearing that up, Amanda. All right, let's see. Our next question is from Jess, who says, I would really love a recommendation on an adult nonfiction book on Australian animals, examples, kangaroos, wombats, etc., or the individuals that study them. Additionally, do you have any recommendations on books where the community is a character in a way that is similar to Beartown or Firekeeper's Daughter? So we split this one up. Amanda, you want to take Australian nonfiction? Australia, yes. I picked The Dingo Debate by Bradley Smith. Um, which is about dingoes, in case you in case you didn't know, which is a indigenous wild dog in Australia. They came from Southeast Asia, where they were semi-domesticated um, and then eventually ended up in Australia. Fun fact, all dogs come from Asia. You're welcome. All domesticated dogs. So you're welcome <laughs> for all of your fancy dogs. And so the book is exploring how that happened. Like, how did the dingo make its way from being kind of a semi-wild animal in Southeast Asia all the way to Australia? And then what happened after that, which was its relationship with the indigenous people of Australia and how it adapted from its climate in Southeast Asia to the climate of Australia. And also, like, how it's gotten to the uh, place it is now, which is, like, almost extinct. It's quite endangered. Um, And that's mostly because it's in a pretty constant battle with the agricultural industry and like livestock farmers and things like that. It's very similar to the wolves in the US and how like ranchers are constantly in battle with wolf populations. And sometimes the government intercedes, sometimes it doesn't. But now wolves are pretty endangered here. Um, And it's a similar thing with the dingo in Australia. So it's the book is a lot about the origins and the conservation of this particular animal that is indigenous to Australia. So that is The Dingo Debate by Bradley Smith. All right. So 
Community is a character. I went like I I kept changing my mind about what to <laughs> recommend for this question because you know Baritan and Firekeeper's Daughter are pretty different books in a lot of ways, but obviously they do both have. A lot of, I mean, Beartown like jumps from character to character. Like, there's a lot of focus on the actual, like, specific physical community uh, in some of these cases. So, I don't know. We'll see what you think. I'm picking There There by Tommy Orange, which is about a bunch of different characters who are all, there's 12 of them. They are all traveling to the big Oakland powwow. These are all native characters. And uh, they're all coming from, like, very different places. You know, some of them are, like, doing okay, and some of them are not doing okay. And they, their stories sort of intersect and weave around each other um, to all come together in this, like, one great moment. So I picked it because I, I think that it is in that same area of how community works in both Beartown and Firekeeper's Daughter. Um, I will say there's some really heavy stuff in here. So content warnings for addiction, rape and racism. And, you know, it's just like it's so interesting. I, I really love a like swirling, twirling, multiple characters that all come together storyline. And I think Tommy Orange does it beautifully in here. And the voices are also distinct. But again, the way that they come together, I think, is really smart and amazing. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think you'll dig it. I'm pretty sure you'll dig it. So, again, that's There There by Tommy Orange. And it is time for our next sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by The Safe Keep by Yael Vanderwalden. This new debut is an exhilarating, twisting tale of desire, suspicion, and obsession between two women staying in the same house in the Dutch countryside during the summer of 1961. It's a powerful exploration of the legacy of World War II and the darker parts of our collective past. It's mysterious, sophisticated, sensual, and infused with intrigue, atmosphere, and sex. The Safe Keep is a brilliantly plotted and provocative debut novel you won't soon forget. Also... It's literary enough if you like literary fiction while still being spicy enough for certain corners of book talk. You know the quarters I'm talking about. And while at first there's a cool detachment to these characters and this story, the heat builds and builds until it explodes into a tale of twisted desires, histories, and homes, and the unexpected shape of revenge. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to The Safe Keep by Yale Vanderwalden for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of When We Were Silent by Fiona McPhillips. So Louise Manson is the newest student at Highfield Manor, Dublin's most exclusive private school. Behind its granite walls are high-arched alcoves, an oak-lined library, and the dark secret Lou has come to expose. So Lou's working class status makes her the consummate outsider. That is until she's befriended by some of her beautiful and wealthy classmates. But after Lou attempts to bring the school's secret to light, her time at Highfield ends with a lifeless body sprawled at her feet. Then, 30 years later, Lou gets a shocking phone call. A high-profile lawyer is bringing a lawsuit against the school, and he needs Lou to testify. Lou will have to confront her past and discover, once and for all, what really happened at Highfield. 
Powerful and Compelling, When We Were Silent, is a thrilling story of exploitation, privilege, and retribution with themes of revenge, love, power, and secrets. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of When We Were Silent by Fiona McPhillips for sponsoring this episode. Okay, our next question is from Deanna, who says, I've just finished the entire Shades of Magic series, and I'm wondering what you'd recommend to fill that gigantic gaping hole in my heart. The magic, the queer love, the pirates, adventure, anti-heroes, kick-ass women, immersive setting, and fast-paced story. Basically just looking for recommendations to follow what I gather is a pretty singular reading experience. I'm open to most anything, but please no graphic novels, middle grade, or YA. Typically too angsty, but I trust you both if there's something you feel like I must read. Okay, um, I picked The Jasmine Throne by Tasha Suri, which has trigger warnings for harm to children that I forgot to put in the agenda, so I'm typing it right now. Okay, um, and this has uh, no pirates, but basically everything else <laughs> that you were looking for. Wait, are there pirates? There are um, vagabonds who do violence, yeah. so I don't know that they're just not on an ocean. Land pirates, what would that be? <laughs> a gang, it's a gang, right? Like, I don't know. Okay, so there are two main characters here, two women. Malini, who is a princess in this universe. And her brother is an awful, he's the emperor, and he's a horrifying dictator who is just super violent and very, a big religious fundamentalist. His religion also happens to include burning a lot of women at the stake. Malini was supposed to go on, like, voluntarily to be burned on a pyre alive because of it was part of the religious ceremony, and she refused to do it. And so he has imprisoned her in something called the Harana, which is, a, like, a decaying temple to an old religion in a country that they took over. Like, their empire is very colonizing and it was an ancient temple it was very it was like magical it was powerful the priests and the children who lived there had all of these supernatural abilities um and the emperor destroyed everyone who lived there because he was scared of all of that and so he has imprisoned her there and so she's just kind of trying to figure out like what to do with herself the other main character is priya who is a maid and she is one of the maids who is selected to make the journey up and down the harana every night to like clean the princess's quarters and bring her food and stuff like that she is trying to keep this big, big secret that she has, which is that she was one of the children of the Harana. She was a child of this kind of ancient indigenous religious system, and she had some supernatural abilities and escaped before the temple was destroyed and all of her friends and family were killed. So she's trying to keep that a secret because, like, you know, <laughs> she doesn't want to die. And the the uh, princess witnesses a, a scene that confirms who Priya is to her. And so now that she has a secret about Priya and they become sort of very suspicious allies politically because the princess wants to get out of the Harana and depose the emperor because he's terrible. And Priya doesn't really know what she wants to do, but wants to protect everybody she loves. And so they have this uneasy sort of truce that turns into like making out under waterfalls, as you do. And it's so great. Like it is just... There's angst, but it's not like that. I know what you mean when you say you don't like the angst in YA. I, I, I don't, not all YA like, is like that, obviously, but I, I know the vibe that you're talking about. And this is angsty, but not that kind of vibe. Um, and it's like deeply political, religious, oppression, misogyny kind of angst. And so, like, I wouldn't call it a romance because it's not like the central storyline is about the two of them making out under waterfalls. But their relationship is really fascinating. The political intrigue is great and very complicated. And all the women, every main character or protagonist who is moving this plot forward is a woman and all the dudes are just like obstacles which is the dynamic i don't hate to be honest so super fun uh that's the jasmine throne by tasha suri which is the first book in the burning kingdom series unfortunately the other ones aren't out yet because this is pretty new but you have much to look forward to that book is so good it is so good 
I loved it. Loved it so much. <laughs> Let's just pour one out for it. I, don't know. I know. Cannot <laughs> wait for whatever comes next in that series. Oh, that ending. All right. Yeah. I also picked a, I mean, Shades of Magic is not historical fantasy, but like all of the things you want, like the magic, the queer love, the adventure, the kick-ass women, the immersive setting, the past phase story. I, I don't have pirates for you, but um, the Dead Gen Universe series by P. Jelly Clark has basically everything else. It's amazing. It's so immersive. It is so great. The storylines are so compelling. Absolute page turners. The world is amazing. And you're going to love the main character. Fatma is a police detective in Cairo in a time that is like, I think it's like, ooh, I can never, I think it's like late 1800s, I want to say. It's, it's, we're moving into modernity, but we're not there yet. And in this alternate version of our universe, when the British were attempting to colonize Egypt, the locals, well, and not just Egypt, actually, uh, several other countries um, in that African region uh, were like, you know what? We have magic and we're going to use it to eject you. And they did. And now magic is just like baked into everything that's going on. The polit- The political situation is very different from how it turned out in our world. And there are like magical crimes. There are jinn. There are like these quote unquote angels who are not really angels necessarily. Un- unclear what they are. And there's like old gods interfering in things. And Fatma works for an agency that ends up investigating various supernatural occurrences and crimes. And she is one of the very few women in her field. Uh, so she has that to deal with. There's a very amazing romantic storyline with her and this person who at first she thinks is a street thief who turns out to be so much more. It's really fantastic. And I just like there. It's so good. So there's a bunch of novellas and now a full novel out and you should read them all and you should read them in order. I don't I mean, for this series, I do because the character building is so great. Like you are just going to want to spend as much time as possible with these characters. So that's why I'm telling you to read them in order. The very first one is a Dead Jin in Cairo. And again, that is the Dead Jin Universe series by P. Jelly Clark. Oh boy. Okay. So this next question mm-hmm. has spoilers for the Grisha series and the books that we are going to recommend in response to the question. So if you do not want to hear spoilers, you're going to want to skip ahead. Yeah. <laughs> So this question is from, oh, I don't have the name here, sorry. But this person is looking, okay, so I just finished reading Lee Bardugo's Grisha series, loved it. Now I'm looking for something like it. I know I can start reading her other series, Six of Crows. I get there eventually. The kind of book I'm looking for is where the main character has the same kind of love triangle type. The Darkling was my favorite character. I'm looking for the main character to choose the bad boy, not the goody-goody. I haven't had any luck finding anything similar to that kind of thing. Uh, Amanda, what do you have for choosing bad boys and <laughs> supernatural love triangles? I so feel this question. Darklina is the only ship that sails in my house. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> um, I love angsty, whiny, powerful, bad men in books. I don't know why. I should probably go to therapy for it. But anyway, <laughs> I picked Shatter Me by Tahira Mafi, uh, which is also a YA series. That's, I mean, quite old at this point. It's 10 years old. It came out in 2011. The first book did. Uh, And there are three. 
Um, and this is about a girl named Juliet who is a teenager who is in prison. She can't touch people. Like she has this uh, kind of gift or curse, she would consider it, where if she touches people, something terrible happens to them. They die uh, painful, horrible deaths. So she doesn't touch anybody. She wears gloves. She's been locked up. She hasn't hurt anyone on purpose, but the government that she lives under, which is like this big dystopian, militaristic, kind of horrifying situation, um, has decided that she would be a very convenient weapon. And so she's 17. She gets taken out of jail by this kind of underground rebel movement that's rebelling against this dystopian faction, this dystopian government. And it's 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 very X-Men-ish. Like a lot of the characters have some kind of superpower that they think will be useful in their cause of overturning this this government. Um, she meets a guy named Adam who is very sweet and like has known her since well, doesn't meet. She re-encounters this guy named Adam who she's known since she was a child, who has now grown up and has biceps hey um and she can <laughs> she can touch him which is like never happened to her before so she's found somebody she can touch and they have they spend the first book making out like they fall immediately for each other or he has always loved her and she just really likes that she can touch a person like it's a little complicated right and then eventually she gets captured by the dystopian government and taken to their headquarters in her area which is run by a guy named warner who is the son of like one of the big bad generals so of course he's got like a ton of daddy issues um and he goes about trying to figure out how to use juliet as this weapon that they are trying to turn her into and i don't know like how how spoilery to get obviously based on your question she ends up with warner and not with adam the sweet guy with the biceps she ends up with the bad son of the general but is he actually bad which is also the question that you're asking about the darkling right like you get more of his backstory and then it's like is evil or is trauma question shrug (laughs) and it's very similar with warner and it was very very controversial when this trilogy completed and you figure out who she ends up with and why because like is this beauty and the beast kind of thing where what's that term when you get kidnapped and then you start to identify stockholm syndrome which was made up yeah oh really yep 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 yep, okay well i'm gonna google that later um like does she have does she have stockholm syndrome is she just attracted to this man because he gives her food and she's starving like it's all of this kind of it was very controversial when she ended up with the person who was essentially keeping her in jail but does he but he has reasons but are they good i don't know you're gonna find out for yourself so that is shatter (laughs) me by tahara mafi i also wanted to add if you want something newer the sarah j moss series that's all over instagram right now um a court of throne of roses and all the subsequent books also follows this kind of what you call it dynamic arc arc yes thank you Mm. (laughs) okay well now i feel like my pick is like ancient because it came out in 2008 (laughs) (laughs) it's not that long ago i don't know i that's when i read it um and i hadn't thought about it in a long time so thank you for bringing this question Question uh, to us and reminding me of it. It's uh, The Summoning is the first book in the Darkest Power series by Kelly Armstrong. And yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm recommending it for this question, so you'll figure out why. <laughs> Chloe is a teenager who like thought she was just a normal teenager. Like her life has been pretty normal up until now. But she suddenly starts seeing the dead. And understandably, everybody is very concerned about her mental health. But then she gets locked up in a group home for unstable teens. And it turns out that like, this is perhaps not about mental health. This is perhaps about supernatural things. And she doesn't know 
who amongst her housemates to trust. There's a really clear division, like some weird stuff is going on and everybody's keeping secrets and, you know, and then there's like different people who she's attracted to and what's going to happen? Question mark. Shruggy shoulders. (laughs) It is very fun. It's very fun. Like it is. It's very, I mean, it is very X-Men in that same way. It's in that you have a bunch of teenagers who are full of hormones and also superpowers. (laughs) Volatile combination. What could go wrong? (laughs) What could go wrong? I ask you. Uh, So yeah, enjoy. Uh, That's The Summoning, which is the first book in the Darkest Powers series by Kelly Armstrong. Okay, our next question is from Lisa, who says, I just finished The Wanderers by Meg Howery and loved it. I love books that let me temporarily escape from this world, even if it's just a simulation. I don't know if this genre has a name, but I love novels with isolated groups of characters needing to work together to explore another world or a scientific idea and learning something about themselves while they do it. Other books like this I've loved are The Southern Reach Trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer, The Light Keepers by Abby Jeannie, and Michael Faber's The Book of Strange New Things. I liked The Sparrow and The Terranauts. What should I read next? Okay, I went like, speaking of old books, I went way OG with this, and I'm going with The Andromeda Strain by Michael Creighton, which I have reread recently. I listened to the whole thing on audio when I was getting my thigh piece tattoo, because I wanted something that would be like, that was super fast paced and engaging that would distract me from the fact that I was trapped on a table with a needle in my leg for like hours and hours. (laughs) And it did, it totally did the trick. Time went by so fast. So if you are unfamiliar, um, this is about a group of scientists who are trapped, uh, not tra- well, they're voluntarily trapped in an underground, really state-of-the-art scientific lab because a meteor has struck the Earth next to a little town in the middle of nowhere. I think it's in New Mexico or Arizona, somewhere in the Southwest. And when the government is called in to, like, go investigate the uh, the meteor, they find everyone in the town is dead, except a small baby and an old man who they find unconscious. They find the baby screaming, they find the old man unconscious, like drunk, <laughs> hungover, unconscious. And so obviously there, and all of the, the people who had lived in this town had like picked up pieces of the meteor and handled it. So the government has made this connection that like there's something on this rock from space that has made all of these people really, really sick. Also, the um, planes that they fly over the town to kind of do heat signatures and like body counts and stuff deteriorate. Like all the rubber pieces start to deteriorate and all those pilots die. So something very, very strange is going on here. So they take the samples of the meteor. They make a... um, perimeter around the town so no one can come and go and then they take the two survivors and the meteor and the survivors go into this underground bunker and all of these scientists who are kind of an emergency germs from space are happening task force are called together uh, and put into this underground bunker they have to go through a series of really intense like disinfections uh what a sterilization that's what i'm going for um and then they have to figure out a cure because this thing could spread they don't understand what the if it's a virus if it's a bacteria is it going to escape this town like how does it work who's going to die and the um stakes are super super high and there's also this kill switch where if the virus gets out, they can like nuke the lab and then they will all die. And the way that they have picked the scientists to participate, they're all men. Uh, Most of them have families except one because of like the psychology of having less to lose because you don't have kids. So you are more willing to push the button and like save humanity. It's just fascinating. Their interpersonal relationships are so engrossing, Um, but you're really here for the like puzzle that they're trying to solve. Like they are trying to save the world with this by solving the mystery of what this bug is and how does it operate 
And in that it's that's very similar to the Wanderers, where all of those astronauts are trapped in that simulation. They can't leave. Um, they don't know what's real or what's not. And it's really about how are they going to get along. It's super, super similar in the Andromeda Strain. So that is the Andromeda Strain by Michael Crichton. All right. I picked We Have Always Been Here by Lena Nguyen, which I was actually recommending to Amanda as like a much more current sort of Michael Crichton comp mm-hmm. recently. Mm-hmm. And I will say this book gave me so much agita. Oh, my goodness. But like <laughs> if you made it through the Southern Reach trilogy, you're going to be fine. <laughs> uh, it takes place on a spaceship that has been dispatched to survey this very icy planet in an unexplored galaxy. So it's like a scientific mission. Our narrator, Dr. Grace Park, is a very like highly introverted, touch-averse individual who is also a psychologist, which like is like a weird pairing acknowledged by everyone. And she actually has these, like, technological enhancements that make her extremely good at reading facial tics and body language. There's another psychologist on the trip who is, like, the head psychologist, who is, like, the, you know, like, let's talk about your feelings kind of psychologist. That's not what Park does. She is there to, like, basically monitor and, like, figure out, like, you know, what's going on and take notes. Like, she's basically a spy for the corporation (laughs) that has put this mission together. And everybody knows it. And they kind of hate her. They actually are like have been hazing her and pranking her. It's like not she does not have good relationships with the rest of the crew. She does, however, have great relationships with the onboard androids, which also people find weird about her. Um, but like I, I just loved Park so much. She's so she's such a delightful misanthrope in that I really <laughs> felt some of her feelings about the other people and like why it was so hard for her to interact with them and like why she preferred the androids in certain situations, like totally legit reasoning. So so this is like, there's a lot of friction among the crew and then things get even worse when they get to this planet and only some people are allowed to go down to the surface and not others. And then like somebody gets sick, somebody else is having hallucinations, somebody else is having horrible nightmares, like the crew starts to fall apart. And the whole time Park is trying to figure out like, what is happening? Like, Mm. what is happening? Why is it happening? What do we do about it? Why can't we communicate with anybody back, you know, at like mission control? Like everything is very stressful. So, so stressful. So great. So many great characters. So many interesting, weird plot twists and developments. Like, it is such a compelling read. I tore through this book. And it is, like, very, like, high-pressure cooker, small group of people. How are they going to make this work? Who is going to (laughs) die? Side Mm -hmm. note. Side note, who's going to (laughs) die? I will give a content warning for use of ableist language around mental health by some of the characters who are like, as everything is falling apart, there are some unkind words said about other people's mental health. So just an FYI. Uh, But again, that is We Have Always Been Here by Lena Nguyen. And that's our show. Woohoo! Woohoo! Thanks so much to our audio editor, Jen Zink, who always helps clean up our most egregious flubs, and we appreciate it. Thank you all for listening and sending in your questions. So appreciated all around. Uh, If you would like more book recommendations, you can have those. Go to bookriot.com. 
You can also find our other podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. We have ones for genre and industry news and all kinds of stuff. Go check it out. If you would like to leave a rating and or a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be awesome. So please go ahead and do that. It helps other people to find the show. Thanks to our sponsors for helping make the show possible. And in between shows, you can find us on social media. Amanda, where are you at? I'm on Instagram at I'm Amanda Nelson. And you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L, or on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And we will talk to you next time. Woo!